0: So Honest Advent, for those of you that have been tracking with us, our Advent series is underway and uh, we've been we're utilizing a book by Scott Erickson, Honest Advent. If you haven't got a copy of this, I would encourage you to get it. It's, it's really fantastic as he looks at Advent in perhaps a slightly different slant. He says this, is Christ's incarnation still happening in our midst Perhaps for many of us, the celebration of Christmas has lost its wonder. Maybe it's become a bittersweet season of complicated family rituals, or a predictable time of unquenchable consumerism, or simply a sacred story that feels far from any relevance in our current chaotic world. Honest Advent seeks to illuminate the astonishing, hope-filled truth that God, who showed up in the hardest parts of our humanity, is still showing up today, in those same places. When I was preparing for this, this week, um, honest Advent, it's, it's hard to kind of get away from the honest part, isn't it? <laughs> You're totally drawn to that. And I was curious, maybe by show of hands if you feel comfortable doing this, who here in the past month has had a day, a week, or even the whole month? where things have not gone to plan, where there's been disruption, there's been uneasiness, your capacities have been stretched, there's been tiredness, there's been sickness, perhaps there's been confusion, you felt a bit worried, perhaps you've even felt a bit lost at times. Anyone? Yeah, life, huh? And as I said, with a series like Honest Advent, it's really hard to escape that honest part, isn't it? Well, that's kind of been my week this week, if I'm honest. I won't bore you with the details, but suffice to say, it has impacted my preparation this morning. But I think it's been a God thing. God is the artisan when it comes to disruption. He's a God who disrupts our lives, is not he, when we least expect it. And whenever you approach a topic or a piece of scripture to teach or preach it, you can spend, and I like to spend, time thinking about the language or the exposition or the cultural and social context to kind of really delve deep into that. Yeah, I wasn't really afforded the time this week. But I think if I had, it would have changed this morning. And I think God wanted to do something different. So, this morning, I want us to reflect on a particular aspect of this Advent series on love, and specifically love as being seen and love as unease. This morning comes in the form of an invitation to us. I would like us to enter into a reflective space. Advent is all about waiting and listening and seeing God show up to reveal his kingdom of heaven in your life. This morning is an invitation to God, Emmanuel, that he would be with us, that he would shine his face upon us and reveal his love and truth to us. So it's good to set expectations, isn't it? This morning's gonna be some reflections There's going to be a reading from Scott's book. I'm going to ask some questions, but I'm also going to give us some space to respond individually, and then a little bit later in our discussion groups, there's even going to be some music, okay? So I invite you in, and if you feel comfortable to do this with me now, just center yourself on God. If you want to put your hands out, if you want to close your eyes, however you want to posture yourselves towards the Father, please do. I'm going to pray. Jesus, we come before you now in awe of all that you are and all that you are doing in our lives. Lord, we invite you into this place and ask that you would have your way. Would you help us to pause and ponder and reflect on the things that you are pressing into us Lord and where there is the urge to flee or move away from yourself Lord I ask that we would lean into you this morning and trust all that you're doing that you're a God of love who desires good things in our lives even in the uneasy difficult spaces Reflection one, love as being seen. In John 15, it says, I loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. This is what I've done, kept my father's commands and made myself home in his love. Earlier this week, I was disrupted again uh, by my grandma, a call from her, which isn't unusual. And usually, my grandma's calls uh, involve a kind of rendition of her day, you know, every minute detail of what's been going on for her. Um, But it always, always, at some point, um, will center around a verse, a scripture, uh, or a quote. Um, Usually, the author is a dead author, I might add, Um, but she has something she wants to share. And this week, it was that verse. Little did she know that I was going to be speaking on God's love this week. And so, obviously, I took note. And I was thinking about her. She's 87 years old. And the way that she spoke or said that verse, declared it, thought about it, the way that she held it, there was a real sense in her voice, in her being, that she really knew God's love in her life. And I say that because for me, in a sense, my journey is kind of in the middle of life, isn't it, yeah? For a lot of us, we're at different stages of our journey. And for her, her perspective is quite different because in some ways, she's drawn towards the end of her life. But I think that perspective, it carries some weight, doesn't it, from someone who has seen a lot in their lives, yet can still talk about and declare and know that God's love is true. In that verse, it talks about commands or the law being summed up through the lens of love. If you know other parts of scripture, when Jesus was meeting with a Pharisee, he talked about God's love being summed up in this way, or God's law, sorry, being summed up in this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We can make our home in God's love, as that passage says, because he literally made his home with us. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When we hear scriptures like the one from John or others, such as For God so loved the world, when we hear about God's love being expressed, often we identify ourselves not as an individual, but in the mix of all those people, the world, as a group experiencing God's love. And this is true. But when it comes to experiencing and knowing God's love for ourselves individually, it's something that can be much harder to receive. It won't be any surprise to you, because I, I mentioned him in my last preach, William Paul Young, the author of The Shack. He, he played around with this idea, and he, he wrote something quite, I think, quite um, pivotal in the way that he tried to express this idea of God's love for us individually. And he said this, and he wrote it in the form of, I am especially fond of you. God is especially fond of you. If you said that to yourself, I wonder how you feel about that. Those words. When we think about nice words, they can often fall short in the face of actions. What we say and what we do are at odds with each other sometimes in life. But God really means those words to the point of death. Death. Jesus giving up his life that we might know and have his love in our lives. When are you your most authentic self? You might say it's when I'm in my own home or around certain people. Scott Erickson says this in his book. I remember my friend saying to me one time, I don't want, to know, I don't want God to love me. I just want God to tell me what to do. Because if I let God love me, he will love me the way I am. And if I let God love me, he will love me the way I am. And if I let God love me the way I am, I will have to see the way I am. And I don't want to see the way I am. So I'd rather God just tell me what to do. When I worked as an addictions counsellor, often uh, I would have people say to me, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do to get out of this. And it's not as easy as that. But one thing I did find was helping people discover who they were, becoming self-aware, being comfortable to be able just to look at their life the way it is, was actually quite a freeing thing for them and was often quite foundational for them moving forward in their recovery. But also for many, to truly see the way they were, their situation was a difficult thing? Have you experienced the risk of being seen? How does it feel to hear those words, God saying, I am especially fond of you? Just invite you for a minute just to pause in silence and think about that. How have you experienced the risk of being seen? Love as unease. There was a moment when the presence of God was felt as unease of morning sickness. Don't be surprised if your current unease is the exact same avenue of presence. Nothing can ruin the euphoria of discovering you're pregnant faster than the need to vomit. My wife describes it like a hangover without having enjoyed the party or the queasy stomach without the screaming adrenaline from the loop-de-loop roller coaster ride. It's a discomfort that women know is leading them to a new life and it's bearable because of that deep hope of joy. It's not written in the gospel text but it's plausible to suggest there was a period in Mary's journey when she too went through the same uneasy trimester. I can imagine that moment when it hits, the spiritual high evangelic announcement and welcoming her into the uneasy, queasy feeling of actually having to go through the physical details of this divine calling. That's the rub of all divine pro- proclamations, isn't it? The announcement that you are going to grow. The process of growth is always uneasy because growth never comes through ease. It comes through the stretching and expanding of one's own capacity to push on ahead. And often the change that needs to happen in order for you to grow may leave you dry heaving on the sidelines, like when you run until you feel like throwing up as you prepare for the day of the marathon, or the anxiety, nausea of packing up your worldly possessions and moving into a part of the world that is unknown to you, or the gagging nerves of trying to date again, or the vomitous risk of starting a new career. The difficulty in letting God grow you is the trust that is asked of you when you quite, aren't quite clear what the outcome looks like. When you intentionally do more sit-ups or eat less meat-lover pizza, you may have an image in your mind of what it might look like to feel more comfortable for swimsuit season. But when you say to the giver of life, I want my life to be meaningful, I want to serve you with my life, may it be so according to what you desire. You have no idea what secret cosmic strategies may have put in place to answer that request. You may very well find yourself in an uneasy situation, just like everyone else in the Bible. Look at the chorus of human beings in this Christmas story, and you'll see the same song being sung by all of them, to trust in the goodness of God in uneasy situations, just as we are invited to sing. The only difference is that we see their whole story played out in the pages of Scripture, whereas we're right in the middle of our stories being sung and have no idea if this is a catchy tune or a musical disaster. Because of this, when we find ourselves in an uneasy place in life, our question to God is, why are you doing this to me? Partly this is to check to see if God has perhaps gotten distracted or Maybe he's dealing with more pressing concerns around the globe. And partly is to express the disappointing conclusion that our request that God do what it, des- what it desires in our lives has not brought about the journey of ease we had hoped for. If you asked a newly pregnant mother hugging the toilet while racked with morning sickness why it's worth going through all this hardship, she'll wipe away remnants of last night's dinner with a piece of toilet paper and whisper, For love. It's worth it because I love this child. The answer to our question to God is surprisingly the same. Just like morning sickness, the unease is a strategy of the soul to protect you from doing all the things as usual that could harm this new life being grown in you. It's for love that you have been moved from what is known to what is unknown. It's for love that you've been moved from your comfortable perch so that you can be enlarged by a different perspective. It is for love that you have been broken open so a larger capacity of faith, hope, and love can be built inside you. For love, it's because you are loved. It may be that the divine presence you've been looking for is to be found in your present unease. Instead of missing this invitation by trying to find a resolution, center yourself with these questions what is the conversation i can only have by being in this situation what parts of my life have i been able to uncover only by finding myself here and what unexpected place might god want to meet me in during this uneasy time i'm experiencing it's in asking these questions that we offer perspective of divine growth to our uneasy situation and begin to pull back the curtain a little on the secret strategy to grow us into the person we ask God to make us be. What unexpected place might God want to meet you in during this uneasy time you're experiencing? Just give you a moment to think about that. Love is both complex and simple. It's often a paradox. There is mystery and there is truth. Love comes to us as a baby. Love comes as peace, but it also comes as unease. Love is pursuing, but it is also patient. Love is truth. Love is forgiveness. Love is healing. Love is grace. Love is freely given. Love comes to us without us earning it. Love is goodness. Love is generosity. It is beauty. It is kindness. It is hope. Love is gentle. But love is also a ferocious fire refining us. Love is leading and growing us into the people it desires. Love is faithfulness, love is suffering, love is trust, love is justice, love is compassion, love is participating in our world, love is vulnerability, love comes to us as a baby, Emmanuel, God with us, amen.